Episode 12, Beth Kruger. That time of transition for a woman when she becomes pregnant and then becomes a mother is just so huge. It's so transformational. It's like a whole other person is born within her, not just the baby. She is born as a new person. You're listening to the Taylor Fit Wellness Podcast, where we explore wellness topics from A to Z so that we can take an active approach to improving our quality of life. I'm so excited to have Beth Kruger, our women's wellness expert on our show. How are you doing, Beth? Hi there, Francis. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. Good. I'm so excited for our conversation. We know each other through the yoga world, and I know that you have a tremendous amount of expertise in this area. We are both mothers and have that in common as well. I would love it if you would tell us a little bit more about yourself. Great. Thank you. So I am a prenatal and postnatal yoga teacher, as well as a prenatal postpartum yoga teacher trainer, which means that I train other yoga teachers to become specialists in this particular area. I did my yoga teacher training back in 2003. So I've been teaching prenatal and postpartum yoga for over 15 years now. I have a 15-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old daughter. So I have two girls. I'm also a single mom. So that comes with its own set of challenges and whatnot. Once I did my yoga teacher training program and started working with pregnant women because I was pregnant myself, I just sort of like fell into that role. I realized, oh, I need to learn a lot more. So I also became, I I not only got certified to teach prenatal yoga, but I became a childbirth educator and and a lactation counselor. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. That's so challenging sometimes, right? Yes. Breastfeeding. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, I just beefed up on my knowledge that I could really uh, serve my clients in a way that I felt was um, really touched on all of their needs, not just movement or yoga based, but also education. Oh, God. Yeah. That's good. It's a, it's such a profound transition to go into that sort of the education part of the childbirthing process, right? Did you, was it doula training? No, a birth educator. So, you know, when you get pregnant and, you know, somewhere along the way, your uh, obstetrician or gynecologist will say, hey, you know, you need to take some birth classes to learn what's going what's going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Or you have questions about the birth. You would come to someone like me. So um, I would teach you about the stages of birth and labor and then, you know, how to time a contraction, when to go to your birth location. and then what to do, like if, oh if you wanted alternative ideas other than pain medications, you know, I would teach about, I teach about those, of course, like what yeah. are the options for that? But also what can you do instead of pain medication that might be natural that, that would help you? So yeah. all the things. That's so great. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big natural girl myself. Like, I, well, I, I'm so grateful. Like we're, we have a lot of similarities. Our kids are similar in age oh. Two two little ones that are now getting so big, right? Yeah. Um, and um, I also taught prenatal yoga at the prenatal, prenatal yoga center. Ah, um, me too. Yeah. So we have that in common. Beautiful place to learn as a student. I think the community is so special. And I know you have experience with having had your own studio as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when I started teaching prenatal yoga, I realized that 
like I said, there was so much I didn't know and so much that I wanted to learn about. And I did find that, like you, teaching at the prenatal yoga center, I did an additional prenatal teacher training through the prenatal yoga center, in addition to my birth education training and my lactation counselor training. That time of motherhood, that time of transition for a woman when she becomes pregnant and then becomes a mother is just so huge. It's so transformational. It's like a whole other person is born uh, within her, not just the baby. She is born as a new, as a new person. So for me, felt like so different than teaching just what I would call a regular yoga class. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just so much more in depth. I get to know my students so much more intimately because I go on this journey with them into motherhood. So in that transition, I think it's oftentimes very hard for the mother to be to sort of have to let go of all of the things that they were doing before. As you said, it, it's it's a whole transition. You become a new person. It's not just the birth of a baby. It's the birth of a mother. But even in the prenatal phase, when you're doing preparation, I think when you start to realize that you might not be able to do all of the things that you did before, you not might not be able to, you know, climb on that ladder to get that, you know, whatever the high thing off the shelf that you would no problem, you know, get before. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a letting go, right? Yeah. It's a letting go of like this person, um, maybe that you used to be yeah, and, and welcoming in someone new. And I think that in prenatal yoga, we see that so clearly that we see this, um, it manifests physically. So it's, um, here I am. Oh, wait, now I can't touch you know, this part of the floor, I'm not able to bend over all the way, or I'm not able to tie my shoe. And that's just the beginning of all of the changes in in our lives. And it's hard to let go. I have to tell you about the hummingbird story. I'd love to hear it. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So this is a story. This was when I was pregnant with my first little one. And I was pretty big, pretty out there. Um, I don't know exactly how far along I was, but pretty far along. And I remember we were visiting our, um, their great grandparents, right? So in uh, Spokane, Washington, and they had this garage with a skylight. And there, in the garage, there was a sliding door that went out to the garden. Mm. And there was a hummingbird stuck in the skylight. Oh. And, and all of the men were taking like a, a stick and trying to like coax it down. And, and I was like, no, no. You, and it kept like flying into like a little crevice. Oh. And then and then we'd wait and then we'd come out and everybody was distraught. Like, oh, my God, the hummingbird is stuck in the skylight. And then someone else would try and someone else would try. And at, at a certain point, I was like, let me in there. <laughs> we pulled up. a I think it was a chair. It must have been a chair. I don't think it was a ladder. Everybody was around me. So I, I knew I was oh. safe. Yeah. But what, what ended up happening was I ended up putting on garden gloves, going up there with my hand, and I I caught the hummingbird in oh my, my hand and then had it in both hands with the other glove. I knew you had to have gloves on because they can't, like, if, once you touch a bird, don't all their friends right. hate them or something like right. that. Like, right, right, right. Like, so we had, I had the garden glove on and I had a hummingbird in my hand. Uh, it was the wildest sensation ever. And then, you know, how many months pregnant was I? But I just, I couldn't, you know, I just had to do the thing that I knew I could do. I, and yeah. the sticks poking at it weren't going to do it, mm-hmm. you know? And so I just remember coming down and, and then walking to the sliding glass door and then 
and then letting it fly and then immediately bursting into tears, as did great grandma Marie. The oh. two of us were kindred spirits and we were just like, oh, my God, it's safe. It's safe. Yeah. You know, so yeah. there, the hummingbird was free. And, you know, some of the things as pregnant ladies, you know. <laughs> It's like, we don't give it up easy, right? I I knew I could do it. I did have support, you know. I think, though, in that moment, can we talk a little bit about, like, listening to your body and honoring honoring what your body has to say? Because Mm. I think at the moment, that moment, I I knew I could do it and I did have support, you know. Mm -hmm. So how does that thread into um, maybe the process of the yoga practice itself. Mm, well, I love that. I love your story. It's a really <laughs> great story. It sort of makes me think of, um, you know, as you're talking about you, you were trying a different method, right? To, yes. to free that bird rather than yeah. poking at the bird, you, you sort of held the bird and yeah. then released it. So that's kind of, you know, in prenatal yoga, um, that's what we do as prenatal yoga teachers, right? We we create this safe space to oh support this for, kind of women are not fragile during pregnancy, but they are, you know, transforming and transitioning. So yeah. we create a really safe space, a really safe container to hold that transitioning woman in and that's like the the space that we create in in oh, a prenatal yeah. in a prenatal um, yoga class, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or even as birth educators, because, um, you know, when a woman is is changing so much, she doesn't even recognize her body anymore, mm-hmm. right? Oh, Forget dress shopping. Yeah, exactly. Like, what what are those aches and pains? We can read all about it, and we're feeling it in our bodies, um, and it's really, it's really, uh, it, it's really valuable you know, six to nine months of us having this time, right? Because some of us don't necessarily even feel pregnancy initially, right? So we might not, you know, really feel that we're pregnant until we kind of get in there until like month, you know, um, month three or so. Um, So I say six months, usually you're feeling pregnant for at least six months. Um, Whether or not you, you know, whether or not you're pregnant the whole time, but we're obviously we're but the um the prenatal period is just it's such a great opportunity to really be able to tune in to like what's going on in your body yeah. um and and listen to all those little aches and twinges or even just that kind of miraculous feeling of like feeling a a, a human being moving inside of your body it's really oh, yeah. really amazing so it it gives you the opportunity to like slow down and tune in to, to something that you've never tuned into what's going on inside your body before. Um, so that's really, really unique and special. Um, I don't know about you. You've been teaching prenatal yoga for many years as well. Yeah. But do you find that women will come to prenatal yoga that have never done yoga before? I find that a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oftentimes that is a woman's first foray into yoga yes. because they're told, oh, yes, you got to do it. You know, you're taking care of the baby. It'll help the birth process be better. And I I believe it does. I I strongly believe it does. I remember when this was also with the first first pregnancy, uh, toward the end, I had fluid issues and the fluid was low. So they had me go into the hospital and check the fluid like once a week. Mm -hmm. And I was on this on par with another mom who was pregnant with twins. 
and she had a child already. And so I would see her in the waiting room often. And, you know, inevitably you start to talk about, you know, birth stories when you're around another mom. And she was a little kind of tight lipped about her story. And here's the thing. Her first pregnancy was like so ideal, Mm -hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. And women tend to shut up about those ones because everybody gets mm-hmm. mad at them, right? Yeah. Uh, better to, you know, talk about, oh, whoa, how hard it was. and But but she had a great delivery. And we delivered close to the same day. And so she had twins and it was a great delivery. But one of her magic secret things that she did was prenatal yoga. Mm-hmm. I really think it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely works. And that brings, you're bringing up like a really um, important um point in that we women don't hear enough positive stories about, um, what birth could be like. All we hear when we're pregnant are the dramatic, negative, um, exciting, uh, stories that basically scare us and make us think that the birth process is going to be this awful thing. Um, let because, alone what you see on TV. Yeah. On TV, oh you're always God. like the screaming. Yeah. You know, don't yeah. watch those. Don't watch those baby story shows, right? Yeah. Um, I, I just think it's like societally, um, we're sort of trained to talk about the negative. Oh, yeah. And we don't talk about the positive because we feel like that's bragging, right? Oh. God, yeah. Oh, my positive, amazing birth experience. It was so and great. Then like, everybody yeah. in the play circle hates you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it relates not- to that 100%. Oh, my yeah. God. When my oldest was a baby, we ended up in a play group. And it was probably about like eight or nine women. And at a certain point, all of the stories came out. And a lot of them were challenging. And I, saw, I literally shut up. I had a great story. I wasn't going to tell them because they were all going to get, you know, just, I don't, again, it's bragging. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On some level, for sure. But I do think that we need to try to um, share those positive birth stories as well as the ones that are more challenging. That's not to say that birth trauma isn't real and that um, every single birth is going to be so amazing. Like, I just don't I don't think that's true um, at all. And I, I want to honor and recognize that birth is and can be a challenging experience for many, many people, but it also can be really beautiful and really positive. It just depends on, you know, um, maybe our circumstances, maybe our mindset, like a lot of different things. Yeah, definitely. I remember a story that Deb Flaschenberg, the owner of the prenatal yoga center, I remember a story that she told about a student who had a very challenging birth and she was the doula on that birth and it was a very challenging birth. And then about a year later, she had a conversation with the same person and what was revealed was that this person was terrified about being a mother. Mm -hmm. And so they basically were just like, didn't want the baby to come out (laughs) because of that fear was, was so uh, tremendous. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a thing that is, it's very hard to convey in, you know, your one hour yoga class when you're working with somebody or even in a prenatal doula appointment or a prenatal obstetric appointment that, right. hey, there's this underlying fear that I have, or yeah. there's this underlying stuff that I have going on that I haven't dealt with, dealt with, um, yeah. that is really tied to emotion and my feelings perhaps, or, um, the way that I think about things and that affects our birth just as much as open hips, 
right? Right. It's maybe even more important to address the mental uh, aspects. Right. And where is the, like, we have prenatal yoga, like, where is the prenatal therapy? You know, like, you know, there's no such thing, I don't think, right? I mean, I mean, and it's not even something that you think about. Right. You, you go to prenatal yoga. Oh, yes, it's good for you. Yep. But there should be next door to that should be like the prenatal therapy place, mm-hmm. I guess. Right. And there should also be the postpartum therapy. Right. Because <gasps> yes. we we get forgot. We we get uh, we forget about ourselves right. after the baby is born. But we also get a little bit forgotten about as new mothers. So I, I think there is a gap in postpartum care in our country and in our communities. Um, I think you could find, um, that probably across the board in every community, um, in our country, but there is a gap in, um, in postpartum health and wellness, both physical and, and mental. Yeah. Like where are the resources for a woman who has given birth other than this is the development of your baby and this is how your baby should be growing. And this is how much weight they should be gaining. And right. It doesn't talk about the mom at all. It doesn't know. And, no. um, the focus goes to the baby. Of, I mean, of, of course, right. That, that the focus is drawn there immediately because they're this new little human being, but you're right. That mother, where is the, um, the support, the, um, this idea of that mom, you know, having needs as well. And mm-hmm. maybe the needs of the mom need to be taken care of um, so that they can take care of that infant um, mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of the, that is definitely a lot of where um, I feel like for in, in my work um, through owning my studio and working with women, that's where I feel the most, um, the most richness comes from as well is really working with the postpartum woman because, uh, yeah, we're pregnant. You know, this is great. We're, we're getting comfortable. We're learning how to move our bodies in, um, stretch our bodies to feel more physically comfortable during our prenatal experience, but also maybe getting our body ready for labor to potentially have an easier labor, which is great. Um, but then what's happening after, uh, that's just as important. So I worked with women, um, and I still do work with women a lot after they have their babies, not just to strengthen and rebuild the body, which is mm-hmm. what I do and what I specialize in pelvic floor, um, diastasis recti, things like that, like physical, actual physical struggles, but also there's like a mental emotional piece that I, um, work on with my clients of, um, yeah, like That's take that time, take that time for you to come and, um, physically move your body. And then like, what are your other, what are your other needs? Let's like explore those together. So I do a lot of that with my clients. Yeah. And, and right now you're seeing your clients online, right? Because everything is online, right? Yes. So it's, if yeah. there was a new, uh, a new mom out there, that wanted to get some postnatal support, they could reach out to you and potentially get some of that good support and information and knowledge. And that that sounds amazing. Yeah. I do work with my clients, um, one-on-one via zoom so I could really see anybody anywhere. Um, and, and now that the weather is nice in my little area of the uh, world, I do Mm. see, sometimes I see people like outside. 
So we do some outside sessions during COVID. So that's really great. Um, Social distancing, of course, and mask wearing. Um, But yeah, I think, I think that that's one of the most important things that, that we can do postnatally is really saying, okay, yes, um, I know this little baby needs all of these things from me as a new mom, right? Yeah. Food, attention, care, all of the pieces that we put in place. And then also we want to, um, you know, be the best parents that we possibly can be to make sure all of their needs are being met. But also we need to remember that like, as a new mom, our needs are important as well. So like, what is it that you need if, if an hour alone or a half hour bath is going to make you feel great that day? How do you, how do you structure your life so that you can get in that, that self-care that you need? How can you give something to yourself when you're constantly giving something to your infant? That sounds amazing, right? Yeah, Yeah. definitely, definitely important. So as far as putting your needs as a new mom on the forefront of what really needs to be taken care of so that you can take better care of your infant, um, any any other thoughts on what might be some ways you can make that happen? Mm. Well, that's a good question. Um, I think that uh, initially, or maybe the number one, um, number one place to go probably is um, your support person, like your partner or support person. Like if there's a way to find out how to get them in on the helping, right. So that you can have that time for yourself, whether it be like, um, like I said, the long bath, the extra long shower, or, you know, whether you need to go to a, a work, you know, you want to go work out or exercise without having the baby come with you. Because sometimes, obviously, there's mommy and me classes, or there's mother, uh, you know, there's postpartum classes where you can take the baby, but maybe you want to just go and have an hour workout or walk even it doesn't have to be yeah. strenuous by yourself. So so you could en- enlist the the help of your partner to help you do that. Now, maybe sometimes your partner's not available to help you. Maybe they're working uh, more than you. Maybe they're responsible for um, producing most of the income while you are the one caring for the child. That can be very common. Um, so who else could you ask for help? And I think that that's something that we new parents don't do. We don't want to ask for help. So who else could we ask for help? Is that a family member? That's really, you could ask someone else to come in and watch the baby for an hour or Mm -hmm. take care of your baby. Or maybe you don't have family. You could ask a neighbor. We are all, I feel like getting a little bit closer to I'm getting closer to my neighbors during COVID. I did a lot of outdoor yard work and saw my neighbors all the time. And so I'm really like developing these relationships with neighbors. And that's part of building our village, right? So like creating that connection with a neighbor, maybe there's another parent that is also wanting to do the same kind of thing that you are, meaning take time for themselves. You could trade, you could trade. Um, right. child care for an hour. That's great. If you meet somebody that you could ask, and I think that's part of like asking for help and um, prioritizing your needs. And it's not yeah. like, oh, let's get our babies together so our babies can play together. No, it's like, hey, I need me time. Perfect. Can you watch my baby for an hour? Yeah. yeah. And I'll watch yours tomorrow. 
That's a great idea. Right? That's excellent. You're reminding me, this was a quite a while ago. We were at our local library and there was a mom with her sort of preteen young girl. My little one was tiny, not a toddler, but but small. And so this mom was there at the library and her child was maybe, I don't know, 11, 12, 13 in that range. Mm -hmm. And they started playing with my child and they were great with them. Mm -hmm. They just, um, you know, were friendly. They were having a good time. And literally what they did, like toward the end of our stay at the library, was the mom and I were in a conversation and their child had made business cards for themselves where they could be a mother's helper. Yeah. The mom wanted to encourage their child to try to do something, you know, like, I don't know, babysitting. There were, they were really too young to babysit, Yeah, but they were old enough where they could be a mother's helper. And literally they were like, for a dollar an hour, yeah. I will come to your house and yeah. play with your child so that you can be, you know, off duty. And so yeah. it was kind of such an interesting thing. Like she wasn't, you know, a babysitter. She was, you know, uh, not really old enough, but, but to have someone else come and entertain your child so that you can take a nap or yeah. cook dinner and, and have your hands free. Huge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't it's know if huge. you ever, right. Isn't that huge? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but when, when my little ones were really little, I wish that I would have gotten that advice because I remember, do you remember the boppy? Mm-hmm. I remember. The pillow? Holding, yeah. The, pillow, the boppy, right? The boppy. Yeah. The, 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 yeah, the, the breastfeeding pillow. pillow. Yeah. <laughs> I remember like being in some kind of configuration, like with the kid in the boppy and then trying to pick the whole thing up and, you know, try to go do something with one hand. It, it was just not really effective. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's yeah. not. And it's so, you know, I, I think I, if I remember, you know, if I really dial myself back to those days when I was oh with an infant or with an infant and a toddler, you know, cause I, I did that too. Yeah. Um, it's like, you feel like you climb Mount Everest every day, you know, at the end of the day, after the bath, and they're finally asleep. You're like, oh, there's no, there's nothing left. There's no. nothing left when you're just giving, giving, giving so much all day. Um, yeah. And I was lucky enough and blessed enough to be able to be a stay at home parent when my little ones were very small. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes it's almost easier being the parent that gets to leave and go to work. Yeah. Going to work. It's easier. You move you move. Well, I, I don't mean to say you move, you use your body in a different way. You use, oh, you your, mind, use your mind in a different way. Um, and so, you know, uh, if you're the one providing most of the, of the primary care responsibility yeah. for the child, it can be so exhausting if definitely. you don't do something to fill your own cup. You have to fill your own cup. This, yeah. this idea about how much energy it takes to to take care of a small, small child. It reminds me of, there was a study done where they had an Olympic athlete try to mirror or match the movements of an infant. And I think it was like, they were completely, completely exhausted. And yeah. so <laughs> just, um, it does, it takes a lot of energy. Yeah, it's definitely challenging. Yeah. So we just need to find, I think, that first idea is like asking for help and finding the resources. I think that that's like the first step. Yeah, that's excellent. What about this idea of when would the idea of boundaries come into play, would you say? Well, as a parent, 
I feel like I'm constantly working with boundaries for my kids, but they're a tween and a teenager right now. So that feels almost like, of course, I have to develop boundaries with them, right? But there also has to be boundaries around our relationships with our children at a very young age and boundaries around our relationship with our partner and boundaries around our relationship with our family members, our parents. Mm. I think that it really starts very early on everything from like conception and onward. Like it depends on what kind of relationship you have with your family and how much information they want and how much information you're willing to give. So that's kind of like the start of your exploration with boundaries, I think, is like, are we going to tell people you know, the gender of our child? Are we going to tell people what kind of a birth experience we want to have? Are we going to share that information or do we want to keep that private? So that's like your first experience with boundaries. And then it becomes, how do we ask for what we want in our birth experience? So that's another another set of boundaries. It's like, am I going to ask my nurse or my care provider for what it is that I want? And how am I going to stay firm With like what my boundaries are or what my needs and wants are. And then it immediately goes into like, who's going to see the baby after they're born, how they're going to touch the baby, who's going to hold the baby. And in this time of COVID, of course, like I'm sure I'm not having a baby during COVID, but I'm sure that's just explosively difficult decision. Right. Right. Because you have people that want to see your child, Your, your little tiny you know, um, vulnerable infant. And you have to, you have to figure out those, those, um, those things for what's, what's going to be best for you and your partner, who's going to be allowed to come into your life. Who's going to be allowed to enter that like bubble you've created. Right. What what comes up for me as we're speaking is this idea that you will have to ask for things that you might not have had to even think about or ask for before. And they might be different than you have, you know, had to think about up until this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think so, for sure. I had a, a experience with my first child, I think because it was so new. I went with my partner uh, to a drumming concert. It was in the city and it was the Cunningham studio. It was amazing. So it was when I first felt my little one kick for the first time mm. and it was after this drumming concert. But what happened was we went to this drumming concert. It was some friends had invited us. They were performing. It was awesome. And we were there. But what happened is in the performance space, it was so loud. I literally started to feel uncomfortable. I felt like I would not have an actual baby who was born in my arms in this loud, loud drumming. It was amazing, but it was just so loud. And so in that moment, I had to do something different than I would have had to do if I was not pregnant. Mm -hmm. In that moment, I had to do something different. Normally, I would have just enjoyed the concert, left and gone home, but I had this, you know, little baby. And in my feeling, I had to listen to my own intuitions. And I felt strongly, you know what, I need to leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can stay, you know, check in with our friends, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to quietly excuse myself. I'm going to hop in a taxi and I'm going to go home. Mm. You know, that's what, that's, you know, I, I need to do that right now. And that, that's a different thing, you know, mm-hmm. and it dealt with my instincts. It dealt with what I felt at the time needed to happen for my baby. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I checked in with my partner. I was like, look, I really feel like this is too loud. I'm going to, I'm going to go home. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. it, it sounds to me in some way as well. And I think that this is something that we need to remember as new parents and maybe just women in general is that we need to start getting comfortable with like being uncomfortable. So saying no to someone sometimes makes us very uncomfortable, at least in my experience, saying, no, I can't do that. Or no, this isn't right for me. Or could you please do this thing that I'm asking you to do? I think that's very confronting for many of us because it makes us uncomfortable sometimes to ask for the things we need or to just do the thing that we need to do because we we may be people pleasers. We may want to make everybody happy. We may have that sort of stuff going on in our own life experience. At least I know I did. It made me, you know, getting, getting, um, asking somebody for something might make me uncomfortable or doing something like you did leaving the concert can, can bring up a lot of stuff. You don't want to leave your partner. Maybe you don't want them to be upset. You don't want the people who are, you know, in the show, making the music to be feeling like you didn't like that, you know, like what was happening. Um, but I think that that's, that's a really important thing for us to start to get comfortable with is like making other people maybe we're not worried about them so much. We worry more about us and figure yeah. out how to do what's best for us, even if it makes us uncomfortable in the yeah. moment. Yeah. yeah. And I think it gets easier. <laughs> so like now, or even if you had the baby in your arms, be so mm-hmm. easy for you to say, oh, obviously it's too loud. So yeah. we're going to leave. Like, of yeah. course. Of course, right? <laughs> but it, it's that baby was hidden your, yeah. your body, but you didn't feel comfortable enough to be like, oh, this is, you know, not working for us. And now, yeah. um, now you probably would have no problem. Oh yeah. Exiting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, as we practice that, um, it becomes easier. Yeah. Yeah. I watched a video recently and I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was, it was the woman was talking about when your child is asking you for something and they actually need a boundary, mm. but they start to ask you, and you probably have this experience, I'm guessing because of the age of your children is similar to mine, where they start to ask for something. And the way they put it in the video was that the child becomes like a heat-seeking missile for what they want. And they keep asking over and over and over and over. And our job as the parent is to put up that boundary and to say, no, <laughs> we're not doing that, mm-hmm. you know, Um so it can be a challenge sometimes. Oh, um, yeah. So let me just check in. Beth, I wonder if you have a couple of simple tips that you can um, share with our listeners that they could take away kind of right away and, and have a quick win with. Mm. Well, I think um, I would say I have a couple. I have a couple of easy ones. I think one of the first ones is... Um, making a tiny bit of space in your day. It doesn't have to be a huge amount, five to 10 minutes, um, where you uh, check in with yourself. It doesn't have to be meditation, but it could be meditation. Quiet time, maybe first thing in the morning or maybe last thing at night before you go to sleep. Uh, No cell phone if possible, right? Like put the phone away and just check in with yourself and say, um, maybe how did I feel about today or how do I want to feel about today, whether you're starting in the morning or at night. And just think about that. Um, You know, maybe close your eyes, check in with how you feel. Think about 
what you'd like your, either your intention to be for that day coming up or how you feel about the day that passed. Um, just making a tiny bit of quiet time, five minutes, you could use a timer, right? If you need to. So that would be one great tip. Another great tip is I actually like to write things down. So I would combine my five minutes of quiet, silent time where I'm setting that intention, where I'm thinking about what I want, and then I would write it down. So I keep um, these little blank journals. Like I don't like a diary that has days because when I forget days, it makes me feel really bad because I didn't fill in on any of those slots. So I keep like a little blank journal that I just carry with me. I put it in my purse and I'll, I'll write that down. And I, I keep, I keep that little, I can bring that journal with me next to the bed. And I just write down the thing that I'm thinking of. And then lastly, my like third tip is, um, a gratitude practice. So like, what is it that is a win or a positive that I can find? from my day, because I think that sometimes, um, we get lost in the minutia of our lives, especially as the primary caregiver of a small child. Um, it becomes, what the hell did I do today? Right. Other than, uh, you know, make food for this baby or take care of this baby and manage to take a shower for myself today. So, and, and sometimes it feels like this overwhelm of like, getting nothing accomplished maybe. Um, so I think having a practice of where you are able to find something to be grateful for or something to be positive about, and you could write that down in your journal. Or sometimes I like with my kids, I do this and I love this. So I think it works for adults too, is I have like a gratitude jar where you like write down there, your thing that you're grateful for, you put it in your jar and then in a week or a month or whatever, you collect this, all of these things to be grateful for, you can take them out and read them. And it feels really good to think of all those positive things. And it just helps to create like a new, a new habit, a new way of thinking. And those feel really easy and achievable. I think anybody could do them every day. That sounds awesome. I especially love that idea about the jar. I'm doing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. It's so good. It's so good. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Beth. I am so excited that we were able to have this conversation. I look forward to maybe having another conversation in future as well. I know there are other things we can talk about. Meanwhile, yes. let us know where can people find you? Where can we find you? Um, if, if anybody wants to maybe take a postnatal with you or um, let, let us know where we can find you. Yeah, so all of my um, information is on my website at bethkruger.com. So you can find out everything that I'm up to on bethkruger.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. Um, my handle is it's Beth Kruger. So you can find me on there. Well, that sounds awesome. Thank you so much, Beth. I'm so excited we were able to have this conversation. And me too. I Yes. And I look forward to being able to speak again soon. Thanks, Francis. Have an awesome rest of your day. Thanks so much. You too. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Based on what we talked about, I made a special PDF for you to download called What to Put in Your Hospital Bag. So if you are expecting, you'll know what to bring. I hope it's a helpful tool for you. You can find it by clicking on the link in the show notes, or you can go to my website, taylorfitwellness.com, and look on the resources page. 
Thanks so much. I look forward to seeing you next week. Take care. Bye.